Good morning. Uh, so glad you guys are here. If you are in the youth group, you are excused. You don't get to stay today. Sorry. Pastor Jimmy has been waiting for you guys. We'll uh, see you right after service. So uh, um, good morning. Glad everybody could join us. Uh, the last four weeks or so, we've been uh, answering some of the whys. What, why do we do certain things at this church? And uh, we're kind of coming to the last one that I've really heard. And so uh, if you still have more whys, like why do we do certain things, then go ahead and feel free to approach me. And if a uh, uh, few people approach me, then we'll address it at service. But this kind of wraps it up. There's one why that uh, is, the, I think, the biggest why that we've had. Uh, I'd say about 75% of our church has asked me this question. And the question is, Pastor Sam, why are you so darn handsome? And uh, you know what, you guys? It's just genetics. It's not, I don't work out or anything. It, it just is. Like, I don't know. It's uh, what my uh, wife, uh, that's what she was attracted to. Not my intelligence or my bank account, but just my uh, stunning good looks. So I'm not sure if there's any other explanation other than that. It kind of just is what it is, you know? And so... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you shouldn't laugh that much. It kind of hurts a little bit, okay? Uh, so we're beginning a new series called Location, Location, Location today. Uh, just like our video showed, like, uh, in, in life, where we choose to live, it really matters. When my wife and I, we first got married, we had the opportunity to buy this uh, uh, condo, uh, townhouse kind of place uh, in Buena Park. And we were really excited. We didn't know anything about real estate or we didn't really know about location, location, location. So we showed up. Uh, Buena Park isn't uh, always the greatest city, but it was nice enough, you know. And so we, we found this, like, cute little place. Uh, it was right in the middle, two other condos next to it. It was, like, all sharing walls, so like a, a brick of five, you know. And, and ours was right in the middle, so cool and convenient, right? And, like, it was really neat because the park was about... Oh, only about 80 feet away, the, the community park. It was really, like, nice. And then on the other side, that's to the right, and on the left, we were, like, centrally located. The pool was right there. So it was, like, so great. You know, we were looking at this house. Like, the park is there and the pool is there. And right outside of our door, I kid you not, like, it was like God had ordained it. There was this big cement slab. Like, so there was a walkway, a little bit of grass, and a huge cement slab that had some, like, benches that you could just sit on and enjoy the outside. It was, like, fantastic. We couldn't believe how, like, we were so stoked. And the local school, like, our kids could literally just walk there. Like, it was within, like, a three-minute walk. It was so close. And so we got this place, and we were super stoked, you know. Uh, then we get into the house, and we realize that a park is sort of nice, but it's not nice when it's that close. Because all of the kids in this complex had kids. They were all there all the time. It seems like no one ever went to school. They were always there. And then, like, the high schoolers were the after school. And, like, late at night there were people, like, uh, who shouldn't be drinking and smoking were drinking and smoking there. And we're like, ugh. And the pool was like, you know, I don't know how much pee ended up being in the pool. It was really kind of shady. And the locks never opened kind of right. And then uh, it turns out that slab in front of our house, it actually had a local name. It was called Skaters Square. And so... Day and night, skaters skating, skating the benches, skating off. There was a great transfer because the grass was about three feet, so they could work on their kickflip onto the sidewalk. Day and night, skaters, and uh, these weren't responsible skaters. Uh, maybe there are some, but uh, skaters tend to be a little less responsible, at least in this uh, some less savory individuals leaving items and things all around and, and night and day skating. So much so I had to end up like later... Like, I took, like, cement and, like, 
Like, I made, like, cement blocks all over so they couldn't skate on Skater Squirrel because it was driving me crazy. They would skate all night. I couldn't sleep. They'd get there early in the morning, in the summer, all the time skating. So it turns out uh, uh, the local school was uh, Beatty School, and at that time, Beatty School was a 2 out of 10 on greatschools.com. So we couldn't even send When Ethan was school age, we didn't send him there. We sent him to somewhere else. So we're like, dude! Location, location, location. It totally matters, right? It matters when you purchase a home. It's critical when you're deciding where to live. But it's equally important in a metaphorical sense. And in the next four weeks, we're going to talk about, we're going to ask the question about where have we chosen to live our lives? Because we get to choose where to live. Just like we get to choose our houses, not not always sometimes circumstance does, but in our lives, we get to choose where we live. So we're going to talk about, are we living in the present or the past? We're talking about that today. Do we dwell in the positive or the negative next week? Have we chosen light or dark? And are we living for heaven or hell? So in the next four weeks, we're going to talk about the choices that we're making in our lives on where we're going to live. Today we ask this question, have you chosen to live in the present or the past? Some of us, we may be stuck in the past. Unable to fully enjoy today because of some of the things in our past. Now, some of the things, sometimes in our past, they're really good things. And we could get stuck even in good things in the past. But I would say quite often it's bad stuff, pain or trauma. I'm going to look at, uh, first before we jump into a couple of really powerful scriptures today, I'm going to look at Apostle Paul's life and how he addressed or how he thought of what his past was like. And so uh, Paul writes to us, and he writes to the the church at Philippi in the book of Philippians. And here's what he writes regarding his past. So he says, whatever used to be to my gain in my past. So, but whatever were gains to me in the past, I now consider that stuff a loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I actually consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Like, I consider that stuff garbage, that I may, f- that I may gain Christ and I be, may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and on the basis of faith. What was Paul's past like? Well, Paul's kind of just like us. His past was a mixed bag. Just before this passage in Philippians, he was saying all of the really incredible religious things he had done, that he had studied the Bible, that he had tried to honor God. He had, in fact, taken away everything that could be seen as a sin on the outside. He said, by the law, I was living perfectly. Man, he he was doing his quiet times. He was praying consistently. He was memorizing scriptures. We we think because Paul's a a Pharisee and a, a powerful one, he may have memorized the entire Old Testament. Man, that's a religious dude. And that was the precursor to what he says here. All those things in my past, even the good things, I consider them as loss. He had listed his religious qualifications, his prayers and Bible reading, and follow the law rightly. He did some really good stuff in his past. But additionally, Paul had done some really bad stuff in his past. He had been involved with the uh, agreement to kill the very first Christian martyr, a guy named Stephen. Paul was overseeing the crackdown on Christianity in Jerusalem. And he was there, and his uh, underlings laid their cloaks at Paul's feet as he 
said, kill this guy. Paul had made it his mission to hunt down, imprison, and kill Christians. He wanted to eradicate Christianity. And so he had been involved with some unauthorized deaths. The Romans didn't approve those things. Without a trial, without anything. He involved with murder and imprisonment of people who were innocent. And so he had uh, some messed up parts in his past as well. After Paul is looking back at both those kind of things, he says, I'm not going to allow either the good or the bad of my past to define his present. He says, all of those things are loss. He actually calls them garbage. Now, they don't have any plastic or paper at this time. Paper is really expensive. Like a book would be, like a new book would be about $30,000. So they don't throw any paper away. And they don't throw any plastic away. And so when we're talking about garbage, this is a nice way to uh, actually translate the word which means crap. Like, it, uh, at first it started out as like, a, it literally means like, like dog crap. Like crap that you would give to the dog to eat or crap that would come out of the dog after it ate that crap. Like crap crap, right? And so like, it, really the Bible is quite vulgar. At this. I mean, Paul is not being, this isn't a high Greek word. This isn't a nice word. This is like, hey, all this stuff in my past, when I look at it, it's like crap. Like that's not even good. Like I don't want to be near crap. Anyone want to be near crap? Have you ever got crap on your shoe? You don't like, oh, sweet. And you're like, check it, man. Oh, well, that's a good pattern, and oh, you're like, you don't want to be near it. You're like, oh, I'm throwing these shoes away, right? You're like, try to get it off as fast as you can. Nobody wants to be around that. And so Paul says, like, this stuff in my past, both the good and the bad stuff, what I consider that stuff, I consider it like a dog scraps. It's like dog crap. It's just, I want it so far away from me. I want to live right now. I want to live in the presence of Jesus and, and understanding who he is and grow today in the knowledge that I have. I had some knowledge of God, but I, I want more. I want to be right here today. And that's what Paul is saying here. I'm not going to allow my past to define what I'm doing right now. I want the righteousness that comes from faith right now. Paul is not living in the past, but he's powerfully stepping into the future. Now, with the hindsight of history, we know how that worked out for Paul, right? Paul turns out to be a pretty important Christian guy, a pretty amazing person as we look back in history because he has this idea that I'm not going to live in my past. I'm going to live in the present. And so I want to talk to us about two, two things, both the hurts of the past that can hinder our present and the good things of our past that can hinder our present. So we ought not to live in the hurts of the past. Maybe tragedies or pain, worries or mistakes, missed opportunities. Now we could dwell on them and we could really get stuck there. It may be stuff that was done to us that wasn't our fault at all. Some of those past tragedies. But it may be stuff that we totally did and it was all our fault. Now a couple of weeks ago we talked about forgiveness and we talked about Uh, forgiveness is being God's main tool to free us from the past. And I think it's important to sort of bring that back to mind right now. Forgiving others for those things and and allowing us to be forgiven and asking God forgiveness, that's really important for freedom. Um, It allows us to release the past and not get stuck there. But sometimes, even after we've done that, sometimes we have habits from the past that are shaping our present. Maybe uh, old patterns that are defining us. And this is, I think, where some of us might be. I I bet for all of us, uh, most of us, I think, when we heard that forgiveness stuff, we really do want to offer forgiveness for people and get forgiveness for ourselves. And I think that many of us have taken that step. but, but, But maybe we didn't really think about the next step. Because 
for me, I know that a lot of things developed when I was in that place of hurt. So uh, my life uh, has been really, I have a really cool life, but between age 8 and age 12, like uh, the rail, the bus went off the rails or the train went off the rails. Like that, for me, 8 to 12 was really the biggest tragedy of my life. All sorts of things happened from the death of my brother, uh, my parents were divorced, some sexual abuse, uh, my parents um, fell into poverty. So it was a mess for four years of, like just craziness. And as a kid, I couldn't really deal with that. I didn't have language for it. I didn't have tools to deal with it. And I remember one time in seventh grade, I got on the bus and I was going to school. And already I was a really hurt kid, you know. Like stuff had gone really poorly and I didn't know how to process it. And I didn't tell anyone. I didn't talk about it ever. And uh, I remember sitting on the bus and there was this uh, fat kid in the front. And people were making fun of him. And I was like, dude, if people did that to me, I would lose it. I would cry in front of everyone. And I said, I'm never going to be that kid getting made fun of. I decided in seventh grade that, you know what? For me, it's better to hurt people than to allow them to hurt me. So I'm going to decide to hurt people first. And that became my motto until I became a Christian, that I would hurt people before they could hurt me. Man, I'm pretty clever, and I got some twisty words that I can hurt people with. And and I ended up being like a, a total attack person to other people, totally mean to everyone distancing myself from them, not allowing, uh, mean to my friends. And as long as I wasn't too mean to them, they let me stay as their friend, as long as I was messing up somebody else verbally. And so I was really wicked and mean and hurtful to so many people. So speaking of forgiveness, you know how many people I had to call in high school and uh, after I became a Christian to say sorry for like, sorry, I made you cry at school and stuff because I couldn't deal with what was going on. For, for me at age 11, that was a coping mechanism. It was a kid's defense mechanism against a world that he didn't understand, and I couldn't navigate or process it. But what ends up happening is after I become older and even to become a Christian, I don't need that defense mechanism anymore, and I don't need that any longer. And the, I'm not a vulnerable, hurt 12-year-old, yet I still operate with the same sort of defense and mentality sometimes, even though I don't need it anymore. For a long time, and those of you who knew me when I first became a Christian, that was still the process that was coming out, though I knew Jesus as my Savior. My default mechanism was to be sarcastic and snarky and hurtful and mean whenever it was anything that I was uncomfortable with. And so I was a total jerk even when I became a Christian. It didn't go away right away. And and it took a long time for me. Even though I didn't need those mechanisms, I held on to them. Even though I wasn't in danger anymore, I I could navigate out of that now. I knew how to work through those things. But I held on to the mechanisms. And I was still being a jerk. That was probably from from age 12 to 32. And in the last 12 uh, years or so, I've stopped living in that past and stopped working by those mechanisms, and I'm totally changed. It was interesting. I was talking to Hannah. Uh, uh, We were talking about... um, when I was interviewing to be a pastor here, and she remembers uh, because she remembers when I was just become a Christian and, and I was a jerk, and she was uh, thinking like, "Man, this guy really needs the job because he's acting so nice. You know, like, he must be really hard up for work right here." Because she didn't know the history that I've been able to let that go and find forgiveness, and then not operate in those mechanisms of the past. And so, thanks, thanks for pointing that out. But I think that, that we've got to decide not to allow our past to paralyze our present. God is doing something 
And if I hold on to that bitterness, I hold on to that anger, and I hold on to those mechanisms, then I don't have any room to receive what God has for me today. You see, I can hold on to those things of the past, and I can just hold them tightly. And then when I do, and God says, I got something good for you, and I'm like, I can't get it because my hands are clenched too tight. You can't receive a gift unless you open up your hands, and you can't receive God's gift today unless you open up your heart. But many of us are operating in that past where we're closed off. We, we don't want a new relationships. We don't want to deal with people because we've been hurt in the past. We, we've had all this kind of stuff, and we're still operating under the mechanisms of an old person who couldn't navigate life. And if that's you, I want to encourage you that today is the day to let that go. Today is the day to look at those mechanisms and say, I don't need that anymore. I don't need to be defensive. I can, I can lower that a little bit. I'm in a place where I have enough good people around me that I can lower my defenses just a bit. See, only an open heart can receive from God today. And your heart is closed if you have stopped living in the now and you're still holding on to the past. Then your heart is closed. You can't live today. But it's not only bad things that have happened to us or or negative things. It's actually some of the good things in our past that can hinder us as well. Maybe for some of us who've been to church for a really long time, you think because of your past good relationship with God that you don't have to strive today. Like you say to yourself, well, I've been on missions, and like I've prayed a lot, and I I used to go to some of those fervent prayer meetings, and it was so passionate, and I was really close to God. And remember that one time where I actually read the Bible in a year? That's really cool. But I wonder if we're a little bit like Al Bundy. We put our hands in our pants. You know Al Bundy for Married with Children? And he's living his high school days where he scored four touchdowns on the football team. And I wonder if we're doing that spiritually. If we're looking back and wondering, like, yeah, well, I'm good today because I did these things in the past. Like, I don't have an active, vibrant relationship with God right now, but, but I used to, so it's okay. Right? Mentioned a few months ago about not allowing our greatest spiritual moments to be in our past. But I would say, are your, are your most generous moments, are those in the past? Are, are the most kindness that you've had in the past? Is our greatest service to God in the past? Our nearest our hearts have been to Him? Is that also in the past? Then I would say that we as Christians then are living in the past. And that's a problem. I would ask you again today, are you comfortable with your best spiritual days being behind you? Or do you desire to be nearer to God right now than you've ever been in your life? Because that is available today. I came across this great quote. I uh, came across it in my brain. Uh, Don't allow the pain of your past to cripple your present, nor allow the highs of your history to excuse your here and now. That's from St. F- Samuel of Fullerton. You hashtag that. <laughs> Okay, so we can't allow either the goods of our past or the bads of our past to dictate what we're doing right here in the present. <laughs> so I want to talk about, just to end our time, uh, a long end. You know how that goes. Like pastors always say we're ending now, but we're not ending right now. Come on. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, choosing to live in the present. And this week, I actually came upon a verse that, that I had never... Uh, uh, two weeks ago, I came upon this verse that I've never read before. Well, I, I've read it because I read the whole Bible in a year. 
But I didn't register it uh, till um, sort of thinking through this uh, sermon series. It comes from Isaiah. Now, God, uh, this is um, uh, Isaiah recording God's thoughts. And God says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? Man, when, I, when I read this, I mean, God is talking to the nation of Israel, and he's telling them, like, look, you've got a mixed bag. Sometimes you're faithful. Most times you weren't. Sometimes you were off and on, right? And God says, you've got you to gotta not dwell there. I'm doing a new thing. He's talking to the nation of Israel. But as we look at how, how God works and interacts with the world, this is how God interacts with the world. So that is true for them, but it's also true for us. God says the exact same thing to us. You see, don't worry about the former things. Don't dwell in the past. I'm doing a new thing right now, and it springs up. Don't you perceive it? Isn't this an incredibly refreshing passage? And I, I hear this, and my soul is like, yes, God. You're doing something powerful right now. And God tells his people if they're dwelling in the past, then they're going to miss out on the present, and he is doing something right now. God is at work today, and we're going to miss it if we're stuck yesterday. God wants to do something at your work this week. And He wants to use you. Bum, bum, bum. God wants to do a new thing in your family with a new connection point to your kids. God wants to do something brand new in your family, in your marriage relationship if you're married. God wants to do something brand new. God wants you to have like an exciting, crazy moment this week with your spouse. You're like, you're right, you know my spouse? (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem because you're relying on the history of what the spouse had been like. But God wants to do something brand new in your relationship even with one another. Don't block God because it's never been that way before. We never prayed together as a family. or We never like, read the Bible. I never read the Bible over my wife. I never, whatever it is. Don't allow that past to define what you're doing because God wants to do something right now. A new thing in your own spiritual walk, in your connection to God. Maybe listening to the word at home or, or a movement of spirit in your heart or a true change of repentance for you. And that's an exciting today. God wants to do those things now. He doesn't want your best spiritual life to be in your past. He wants it to be this week. He wants it to be today. Step away from the fear and live in faith right now. Don't get caught up with the the worries. There's another cool passage in Ecclesiastes that talks about living in the moment and for today. It says this. This is what I've observed to be good. This is uh, Solomon writing. And it's actually appropriate for a person to like eat and drink and find a lot of satisfaction in their labor, like in the work that they do, uh, during the few days that God has given them on the earth. Because, I mean, that's what all you've got. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, just accept that, and that's really cool, and be happy in your work. Toil and work, same word. This is the gift of God. So this is a really cool passage. It says this. God says, I want you to live well today. I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to go to dinner with your friends. 
I want you to hang out and enjoy things. I want you to like the work that you have. We spend too much time paralyzed by our past or worried about the future that we don't really actually enjoy today. You don't just sit in the moments with people. I want to give you full freedom from the Bible to enjoy today. Guilt-free, joyful, amazing today. I want you guys, right after service, I want, I want it to be really joyful. I want it to be amazing. I want you to say, like, I can enjoy this stuff. It doesn't have to be painful. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about the, the past. Just enjoy today. But are we too scared to try this? Like, what happens if I just live for today and I don't worry about tomorrow or worry about my kids or worry about my future or worry about my 401k or worry about my retirement or worry about my job? What if I'm like, oh, man, I've been hurt in the past. I've been this, I've been this, I've been this. Like, let's just let that go. And maybe we're too scared to even try it, right? Because what if we try and it doesn't work? What if we live for today and, like, we actually, like, no one likes us and, like, it sucks and stuff? Like, maybe we're too scared to try it. But I want to encourage you to try it. I want to give you permission to say, God, I want to live just today. That's it. I'm not gonna... Sometimes you've got to make plans. That's okay. But I'm not going to live for those plans. Sometimes we talk about our past because it's pretty fun, interesting, or crazy. Or... And that's important too. But we're not going to live there. We're going to live today. I'm going to live in the new. I'm going to forget the past, not worrying about the future. Today is a great day. Check out this psalm with me. It says, I'll give you thanks. He's talking to God. God, I'll give you thanks. For you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. God, save us. God, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And this is worship today. This is worship right now. Salvation didn't come for for, uh, the psalmist, David, for 2,000 years. But he said, my salvation is now. And this is a song that they would sing over and over. And our salvation is now. Today is a fresh day in the Lord. Today, for all of us who have said yes to Jesus in our past, today we get to say yes to Jesus again. We're going to be like, God, we're, we're with you. Salvation is today. You're walking with us, God. You are amazing. We recognize it this very day, and we say amen to that. We have heaven, you guys. We have everything. We have victory. Our Father is the God of the universe who came through the cosmos to come and get you. We celebrated that in communion earlier in worship. The idea that Jesus came to get you, that he thought you were important enough to come get. Now, I know you maybe don't feel important enough, but God thought so. And he came to get you and he loves you. This is our salvation. This is what we get to live in right now. And with that, what does it matter like if I get a promotion at work or not? What does it matter if like, like I got some family troubles, I got some this troubles, I got some different things. But all those things compared to Jesus is nothing. Remember what Paul says? Let's hearken back to his words. All the things that were in my past, both good and bad, I consider it, consider it all doggy crap compared 
the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. To live in the present means to live with Jesus right now. Not in our past. Not like that one retreat where we were like on fire. <laughs> like, that's cool. I'm glad you had that. But I want you to live today on fire. I want you to meet with Jesus. And maybe it doesn't look the same. Because if you were on fire as a, a high school kid, the emotions that were going on, you just don't have those anymore. Your, your emotion levels have leveled off. You're like normal now, right? So if you expect it to feel the same way, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> happy cry, you know, all those boogers. If you always expect that, that's not, that's not necessarily spiritual maturity. It can be. That's really cool. But if you're living for God today and you're super stoked by him, it's not going to look the same as it did in high school, and that's okay. It's going to look brand new today where you're walking with God in a new way. So let's live in this reality. Living in the present is going to provide us freedom, not entangled in the past and not consumed with the future. Living in the present is going to provide us enjoyment. See, our worries will always clog enjoyment. If we're sitting around eating chicken right after here and you're worried about what you're going to do later, you're not going to be able to enjoy that fine chicken, you know, who's definitely got like 400,000 calories or whatever, right? If you worry about your diabetes, don't worry about it. Just enjoy the chicken today, you know. (laughs) Now, if you have gout, perhaps just have salad instead, but enjoy that salad, you know. Um, But but we just got to enjoy it. Our worries will crush our enjoyment today. And you're going to get tomorrow the thing you worried about, and then you're going to be worried about something else. You're not going to enjoy that day, and you're going to be this day, and then and we're going to end up at the end of life, and you're like, dude, I missed all the days of my life because I didn't just sit in them. Last few weeks, I've been just trying to sit each day. I mean, this week was a really cool week for me, and I think part of it was because I tried to enjoy my family when I was with my family, and when, when they were gone, I really enjoyed that too. Like, it was fantastic. The house was quiet. You know, like the kids went back to school this week. I really enjoyed that moment. I, mean, I was sad, of course, right? <laughs> then they came back, and I enjoyed that. And when I got to drive them to uh, wherever they were being driven to, I enjoyed that. I tried to be in the moment. So living in the present provides enjoyment. Living in the present provides connections to actual people. You see, if you have future worries, those people aren't real yet. I wonder who I'm going to marry. And I wonder what we're going to do when we meet the Williams family next week. They're not actually there. That's a future thing. Or past. Oh, what about my mom when she treated me this way? Or what about that situation there? That person's not there either. Or even the good things, like, oh, remember that nice pastor? Like, oh, that was a cool youth group. That was a neat speaker or whatever. That person's not there. So living in the past and the the future don't allow us to connect to actual people who are there in our present. You're going to have some people present this week. Go ahead and connect to them each day. Right after church, there's going to be some people that are going to turn around. There's going to be a person near you. And like, oh, my gosh, there's a person here. Connect to that person today. Don't start scheduling what you're going to do in three hours. You're not there yet. Be with the person today. Whomever we turn around with, we're going to have some lunch or we're going to go off-site and have lunch and we're gonna, some of us are going to go to this cool class. Connect to people right now. Living in the present allows that. Neither the past or the future allows actual real people to be connected to. Living in the present provides greater spiritual contentment. Living in the present provides a deeper connection to God as we trust Him for our future. We don't have to plan it out. We trust Him to take care of the sins of our past or our worries or our mess-ups. We don't have to live there. Living in the present not only connects us to people, but it connects us to God better. 
So what a blessing it is to be freed by God to live right here, right now. I'm going to invite the praise team up, and in a minute we're just going to worship together and we're going to pray this kind of thing. And just asking God, God, I want to live today. I want to live in the present. I want to challenge you, whether it's habits of the past or things of the past, that you start to let that go. Maybe take this time as we're going to meet with God to just let those things go. And I want to encourage you uh, to come back next week. We have a really exciting kind of thing talking about living in the positive or the negative next week. And and I want to invite every single one of you. I hope that you'd be able to get out here and, and really be blessed as we worship together. Would you join me in responding to God first in prayer and then in worship? Bless you. Father, I just don't want to come and pray over us as we try to sort of sit through this. Like I'm super struck by that Isaiah passage, God, that that I can't get out of my mind. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past, Sam. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I want to respond to your word in my life first. And I want it so bad for our church that they would be able to live in joy and enjoyment of today with connections and closeness. God, that they would be able to see that you're doing a new thing in their lives right now today. Would you join me in stepping out in faith and praying over that for yourself?